Hello, listeners, and welcome to Legends in Review, an unofficial and unaffiliated podcast about DC's Legends of Tomorrow, airing Tuesdays on The CW. I'm your host, Rachel. I'm your host, Ari. And I'm just going to put a few prefaces to this podcast before we get started. Number one, it is 11 p.m. We are in my apartment. We are probably going to record this for about 20 minutes, and it's going to be the shortest review you've ever heard. And that's fine, because there's a couple things we really need to say, and otherwise, not that much. I'm getting over an illness, we have a concert tomorrow, we just really don't have the time to get into it like we usually do, and we will be doing a sort of full recap at the end of the season after the finale airs, because there are some points that I think we really wanted to touch on Tuesday after it aired. But I also want to see how they play out. Like, the longer we... We did have to sit and think about this episode a little bit, because we were like, okay, is what we're saying fair? Is is it really... We don't know certain things are going to play out the way that we think they might play out. So we are reserving judgment on a few matters, but that doesn't mean that there aren't a few things that we do really need to touch on. And that brings me to our second point, which is we touched a little bit about abuse with Nate's dad last week, and that wasn't as much of an in-depth conversation, so I didn't feel the need to say this the last time. But we're going to get a lot more in-depth with discussions of abuse for this episode, and so if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, I just wanted to let you know that is going to be happening a lot in this specific episode. Like, that is pretty much what this episode is about. So without further ado, let's get into it. Legends of Tomorrow, episode 215. Blackadder goes forth. It, like, it was, I'm sorry, it literally was, and it wasn't a good thing. All right, I was going to call it Kim Nam June wouldn't do this to us, but Ari's is better, so we're going to title it with that. The thing about Blackadder goes forth specifically is the first almost the bulk of the miniseries is like really funny and it's the standard black adder formula and then the last episode is it's world war one and it is unbearably grim it is brutal it ends with the implication that all of the characters died horribly in a last ditch effort to storm the enemy trenches it is horrendous however because that show was written well it could pull it off this show doesn't know how to do that. So this episode was terrible about its tone. It was dropped all of its characterization uh, and then just kicked it into a pit and then poured acid on it. And just was seemed to use this episode to hurry us along to the finale. But why? Like, what there was the so point? Many other ways there were so many other this. ways they could have done this. And I'm just very disappointed about the characterization that took a hit and the ruined potential of a lot of plot lines they could have chosen to explore instead because this has been a light on plot season i think what we really wanted to say about this episode was what and then if you wanted to buy a couple other words you could add the and then fuck yeah okay here's the thing is this is a show that two episodes ago had dinosaurs i want to make that very clear two episodes ago we met dinosaurs. And in this episode, Amaya meets a man whose lower half has been blown off and is is waiting for death to claim him. And, you know, here's the thing about World War I, is it is exactly as horrible as they portrayed it in the episode. But this is Legends of Fucking Tomorrow. <laughs> it's not the show. This is not the show that handles these kinds of things in a format that has ever been sensitive or well done. It's like they looked at the notes for the Civil War episode, which is arguably one of just the worst, worst episodes, episodes of the, the season of yeah. the series, for reasons I think that are pretty obvious. It's like they looked at the notes for that episode and said, you know what the problem with this episode was? We didn't get intimate enough with the horrors of war. Yeah. And Man. to that I want to say, Phil, what the fuck? <laughs> like... This was uncomfortable to watch and not in like a, not even just for certain other topics we'll get to later. I was literally just sitting here like, this is really brutal and this isn't the right kind of, this show is not consistent in its tone 
in any way, shape, or form. I understand that they do zip from time period to time period, but that's no excuse for not having some sort of mood and tone consistency. And you literally cannot have wacky dinosaur adventures two episodes before this and then just... just you know, this very was much was brutal. their lore. They stated it was their Lord of the Rings episode. But it's Why? like they went straight to the third film where everything is dark and horrible without any of the buildup of the first two films. But also, like, Lord of the Rings wasn't that goddamn grim because it's a, it's still a fantasy. Like, this is, like, World War One happened. This yeah. is not and that's all a very quiet good on the point. Western fucking front. God, this will never be all this quiet is, on the, the Western fucking not, front. This is ultimately a matter of not having good enough writers to be able to do chone jumps. This reminds me of something like where they were like, we want to do something with a message. We want to be shocking. We want to say something. And I'm like, cool. I want to do the same thing when I was 12 years old and writing Pokemon fanfic. So, you know. You know, when Ari was talking about when they were the most popular, I'm getting a look. Never mind. All I need to tell <laughs> you is that... There is, it's very much like a 12-year-old writing fanfic because one episode you're really dark and edgy and then the next episode it's a kooky AU. And I almost feel like they shove the kooky AU in because this episode is so dark. You know, there's... But that doesn't help. Like, all it does is make it more jarring. Like, if you yeah. were going to do... Like, the reason... Part of the reason the Evil Rip episodes worked really well is because they all generally had the same tone. There was an air of unease that hung over the whole thing. So even in like more silly situations when they had worse costumes on like in the Camelot episode which was just bad costuming all around I still felt like okay I'm really invested in this because the narrative here is good the structure is consistent the tone is consistent you know I don't want to rag on fanfic writers because when you go into a fanfic you're expecting like a little bit of wacky AU a little bit of angst a little bit of grimdark yeah and like you kind of know that going in but a fanfic is for us to develop our talents yeah that's if you're not... already writing the show the talent got to be developed. You you have to, yeah, this is on you. And the fact that they seem to want to kind of do that bait and switch in tone is not helping their show. Like, it's actively harming it. You cannot do, if you're going to do wacky dinosaurs and shenanigans and, and the whatever, do that, bang that out the first season, and then just do a second season that's like, I guess they really did just want to go full grimdark with this episode. And like... It's so it's funny because for them. the finale is obviously very clearly not going to be grimdark at all. It's going to be really campy. And the very interesting thing is we were talking about this episode and how last season Kendra got flack for choosing Carter, which is the dumbest thing to get flack for. And I will fight anyone on it at any time. Hit me up if you want to fight because I will fight you. Rachel. But regardless, um, she got a lot of flack from people who were stupid and people were like, why would she do that? She put everybody in danger. And I'm like... Because it was episode 13. And so episode 14 had to be this so that at episode 15 we could have everybody being captured by the Time Lords, Time Masters. It's the same thing. It, we're not, we're done pretending it's a different thing. It's and then really blow up the vanishing point. Like this plot point that kind of doesn't make sense and that you think might not logically be within it's this character's realm procession. of thought has to happen because they want this to happen. And so that is exactly what happened with Mick in this sphere. Here's the problem. Everyone in this episode was so incredibly out of character because they wanted specifically to get to this wacky AU finale. This was bad. This is not, I want to make, it's still bad writing. Like 
you know, yeah, it's I know we just, I know we just said people were unfair to Kendra and they were. It's still really bad writing because it's the, worse writing here than it was to Kendra. Oh, because 100%. Kendra actually got a really interesting and great character arc out of bringing Carter on the ship and having to confront Vandal Savage. Well, it was also having, the only way the team could really meet him face to face in a yeah, way that didn't, so didn't end with him killing them. It did make sense. It made more sense. This, than this. made no sense. Here is the thing, and this is something you know. This show, it's only saving grace is its character relationships, its character development arcs, its 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 characters. At the core of the reason I like the show is because of the characters. I don't understand the plot. I don't know the plot. So I clearly cannot be watching the show for the plot. I don't think it has one. When you destroy character relationships and character development and just the basic fundamental building blocks of certain characters to further a plot that you're not very good at writing. I don't I don't know why like I legitimately am kind of like why would you do something you're terrible at just but not only do something you're bad at but destroy something you're good at to build something you're bad at. Like you and know, then loop back around to something that you're kind of good at, which is just going to be wacky shenanigans. Wacky again. shenanigans is fine, but like, and why did you do it? I'm like, kind of disappointed because I want to look forward to this wacky shenanigans episode a lot more, but I kind of can't because you really soured it, especially, and here's our uh, major point of this episode, with what you did to Len uh, and what you did to Len and Mick. Uh, and I'm going to open it because Ari needs to compose their thoughts. And I have seen some very interesting points, and these are correct points, that, you know, the Len we saw in Legends is sort of a progression of his character. He was not always like this. He, if he comes back, will probably not be like this. And that's a very good point. But the Len we saw in The Flash, who is a great character and an interesting character and a dynamic character, still cared about Mick and cared about his sister and cared enough that Barry really kind of devotes himself to Len, even though Len is a criminal. Barry has always had this unflinching faith in Len that's really, and it is one of the, I mean, Barry does have some endearing qualities. I should say one of the few, but he really does think Len is three. Okay, like three, but they're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. They're good. My point is. Iris, Cisco, and Leonard Stark. (laughs) But he, like, he has always been like, Len is a really good person. Len would never kill anyone. Len is killing someone right now, Bartholomew. Len would never kill anyone. Like, he... And there was a levity to how Wentworth plays Len. And this was an episode... Where they had none of that. Without levity. They tried levity. to do that, and it was uncomfortable. I think they tried. That, like, weird dog they, barking thing? Yeah. Like... Okay. They failed. It wasn't and they good. turned what I guess they thought was the Flash's Len, who was a criminal into someone that is just genuinely mean-spirited and Len nasty. wasn't, like, Len's a criminal, but Len is, like, Lupin the Third. He is a gentleman thief. Like, he's not Damien Dark. Len? He, he, he's a villain. Yeah. But, like, this is where he they He was also of, someone who enjoyed his villainy. He also was someone who wasn't, like, immoral. There is a big difference between, like, Damien Dark, who works with Nazis, and Len, who steals things and has a freeze ray. Like, he's it not the same kind of villain. also really pissed me off that the Legion said, oh, you die for these people. Because he died for Mick, specifically. And Ray. He and died for Mick Ray, and Ray. And for his sister, because the Time Masters made it very clear in several episodes that if Len kept giving them a hard time, the first person they would go after is Lisa. Kronos made that clear, and they made it clear again with the Pilgrim. And so Len thought that taking himself out of the equation would protect Mick and Lisa and the rest of the team. But you cannot say, oh, it was just for these guys. 
It was for two people that he loves very much and has been shown to love very much, even as a criminal. And you can love people and still be sort of a nasty criminal in a fun way. There's no point they could have picked him up from where he wouldn't have loved Lisa and Mick. That's the problem is they can say, oh, well, they picked him up before XYZ plot point that made him a better person. Fine, whatever. You cannot have picked him up at a point before he loved Mick and Lisa. He has loved Mick since they were teenagers. He has loved Lisa since the second she was born. It is literally impossible. So it just says to me that they don't understand that there's degrees of villainy and not every villain that is an antagonist on a DC TV show is created equal. Um, Especially with the levity they seem to have been giving Eobard and the rest of the Legion. Yeah. As like sort of a really kooky, playful. kooky odd then, squad. And then you have the audacity to bring in Wentworth again and do this to him and do this to a relationship that I think he and Dom really treasure. It's just very uncomfortable to me because in the first season, there were certain hints that like Len and Mick were partners in, in the both senses of the word. Um, and then by the finale of, of, of the first season, Len's like, oh, I have this ring Mick gave me like 20 years ago and I've just been wearing it this whole time. And oh my God. And and then in rockets went off and and i died but like then this season you have mick saying i love you to what he like a hallucination of len like what he thinks is len they've been ramping up hints that mick really loved him back and then you bring wentworth back and you do this and it is beyond the pale to make a a gay actor have to play a gay coded character as an abuser because Len when Len says they don't love you like I love you to Mick now it is not the same as when he said it in season one because that was Len speaking of when Len says they don't love you like I love you we can only rely on each other in the first season they haven't really known gotten to know the team yet like Ray hasn't died almost tried to die for Mick like 10 times at that point yet it's not only like five only like five times but like he hadn't quite accepted that these people were his sort of family. And it's not the same thing for him to say it now because Mick has this relationship with the team where if you're watching this and you're seeing Len say this to Mick, it comes off less of we need to take care of each other because nobody else will and more abusive isolation tactics. And that is not a good look for them. I don't know if it was deliberate, I guess, because they must have thought, oh, well, Len would still be behaving like that because he doesn't know the team anymore. Fine, but you can't erase the fact that we know that Mick knows the team. That, that, you can't tell us that that didn't happen. You so it comes off as abusive. the way you had him do the lines and you had the character act. There's a very distinct difference between Len standing in a prison cell with Mick and going, we look out for each other and between him barking like a dog at someone he is supposed to care about and just insulting and belittling him to get his allegiance. Like I'm not even going to I'm not even going to touch on the fact that like he hit him because that's kind of one of those things where I'm like they've always been like rough with each other if and it's you, not If you watch From Dust Till Dawn, it's one of those relationships that we've touched on where they're sort of equal and they don't really understand. Like Mick didn't Mick at that point did not fear Len. It was not like it was it was not a good or healthy thing to do, but it wasn't as abusive as his later emotional manipulation because Mick knows if Len throws a punch, he can take the punch and hit him back. But when Len says, I need you, no one else, it's just gonna be the two of us forever partners, Mick is not in the same place to resist that or understand that maybe this is not the best decision to be made. 
you know, and they did it, I think, because they wanted to highlight the relationship between Mick and Len, but they kind of also ruined the relationship between Mick and Len in this episode, and so I'm really kind of glad that... Well, because they put it in... They put it... They made it seem like yeah. Mick just suddenly... The thing is, is they had to make Mick suddenly stop giving enough of a shit about the team that he would go with Len, despite knowing that it was a bad idea, and they apparently thought the only way to do that was to make the team a bunch of jackasses for no reason, and to make Len an abuser. Everyone except for Ray Palmer. Except for Ray. But... The thing also is you could argue that the spear was manipulating. It was like that scene in the Avengers where they're all arguing around the uh, the spear of destiny, whatever the fuck they called it there. I don't care. It's um, the same thing. It's literally the same thing. Oh my God. It, We've cracked Did you not code. notice? It was the first thing I noticed. I'm like, oh Christ, they're doing that again. I did notice that certain things, I think even like something Stein said was word, word for, for word what You're Len just had, a thug, which incidentally thug is kind of a word that has some Racial connotations and it's like, ooh. Maybe that's not the word you want to use. Yeah. Maybe it isn't. That's ugly. Um, but he literally says word for word what Len said that the team would say about Mick. So it feels like Len and the team were being manipulated by the spear somehow. This is a justification you could use if the show established that that might be a possibility. The only reason that I think it could be a possibility is because I pick up on these small hints of stuff that's not establishing something i shouldn't have to have fucking elf eyes to be able and elf ears even though i'm deaf so seriously i should that's not have to, show, it is so ableist for fucking nothing. i should not have to listen for sh like lines and foreshadowing and shit to know basic plot points it should be a basic plot point that we know for sure the team is being influenced by the spirit because you know, otherwise Stein. it's bad writing. Yeah. It looks bad for oh, them. Oh, are you accusing this episode of having <laughs> bad writing? Yeah, I know. But like it, they didn't even try to establish it. Like they didn't, they didn't make it, they have to make it a little clearer. I'm not saying Sarah has to say, oh, that's weird that we were all being influenced by the spear, right gang? But I am saying you have to Everyone make it. Everyone except Ray Palmer, who is perfect. The best way they could have said that is Sarah like, wow, the spear really like, I felt like when I'm standing <laughs> near it, I felt like really weird and fucked up and I said stuff I didn't mean to. That's how you establish it without quite establishing it. This advice is free, Phil. So if you want to take it, I'm right here. I'm ready to talk. Oh, Mark Guggenheim, I know you sometimes write the show. This advice is not free for you, and I expect a check in the mail. That's fair. But it is it is something where I'm like, I'm super uncomfortable with the fact that, like, there was no reason for the team to turn on Mick, because one of the number one reasons I got really attached to the show very quickly was because, unlike certain shows, um, the team did not immediately turn on Mick the first time that something bad happened to him that was beyond his control, and he was brainwashed and forced to become Kronos. They didn't say, it's your fault for being brainwashed, you piece of shit. They said, hey, we're going to fix you. And after we fix you, we're going to hand you a baby so you know we trust you. And that was and a Mick good said, thing. And uh, is death still on the table? Uh-huh. We're going to have Ray play the ukulele at you for three hours. And he was like, just kill me. But it is something where the team immediately rallied around Mick. The, Mick has felt so comfortable around them this season that he's been okay casually dropping references to being brainwashed for what in his mind was hundreds and thousands of years maybe. And the fact that for the sake of moving the plot along, they decide to say, hey, what about, you know, all that loving family dynamic stuff and how they care? We cared? never like, actually trusted him except Ray. Yeah. Like, but also the show writers are like, what if we just dropped all that? Because we uh, actually realized we wrote ourselves into a corner and we don't know how to get out. And so, you know, it's kind of like, why would Mick save the team next week when they treated him like this? And it's because they treated him like this in one episode because the writers needed to get to point they B. They literally just need... I, I genuinely feel like that's I, why... I, I refuse to kind of consider the way they treated him in this episode as any kind of canon because that's it was the thing. just such bullshit. That's part of the reason we're trying to keep this short because I almost feel like it might not even be worth commenting on this 
as a flaw simply because they're just going to drop it and pretend like it didn't happen. Yeah. And that's a flaw. That's a flaw we need to talk about that they're just like, well, this episode doesn't count. Like, you can't but say we that. Also you don't, it. We don't trust them well enough to handle this. So if they just kind of want to drop a banner that says, never mind all that. I'm and fine with everybody that. has a group hug and it's fine, it's fine. And group love plays in the distance, even though they definitely don't have the rights they to that. They don't have the rights to that. Then um, fine. It's fine. Fine. I, I literally don't care. Okay. Do we want to talk about hopes for next week? Um, my hopes for next week is that ultimately, so help me God, if this Charlie's Angel shit that Sarah and Amaya are doing is, if they make out while they are while they are working under Damien Dark, I am gonna fight because I have waited all season for them to interact. They get one good emotional moment, and and I, if they turn it into, I literally feel like my skin crawl when I see the photo promos because it looks like the sort of thing that a creepy fuck like Dark would jerk it to. And given that he also is responsible for the death of Sarah's sister, I'm like, this makes me uncomfortable on a lot of levels. And I don't know if they're going to go that way. I do know that every time I see those promo pictures, like I just, a thousand red flags just pop up in my head and I'm very afraid of where that might go. I mean, like, I know Katie Lotz had a lot of fun recording it, but I, I also know. don't really uh, trust Katie Lotz's judgment. It's not, that. it's not that I don't think, that, I, I think it could be fun. I'm very worried he's going to come off as skeezy and predatory in a way that's going to be really creepy to watch. I mean, and Especially speaking of skeezy and predatory, speaking of skeezy and predatory, I cannot stress how happy I am that Kendra is not around for this Doom World episode because they would have just made her married to Vandal Savage. And you want to talk about skeezy and predatory? That yeah. would have been absolutely unbearable. So I, uh, yeah. we actually managed to avoid a really terrible plot line through a mission. We did it, everybody. We saved them. Um, if my one hope that they, I actually, this sounds awful. I really hope they just kind of pretend like last episode didn't happen. Because you know what? It was legitimately that bad where I'm like, no, drop it. Just drop it. It, it. I'm willing to forget if you are. Just this once. Because I don't, Mick and Len's relationship is really important to me. Mick and Mick's growth as a character, because he still gets to be an imperfect person and mentally ill and, and not... And he's going to be the goddamn hero of this finale. And that's great. I want that. So let's just pretend like this episode never happened. Never mind all that. It, I give up. I just give up. I, I, I give up. We're going we're gonna to veer along for this kooky ride that is the finale. But seriously, if you sexploitate Sarah and Amaya, I will come to your house. I'm and that so... acid that you poured on that characterization, it's going in your water supply. Yeah, that's fair. Um, um, I just want to. I just want to say, hey, government agencies, we don't actually mean all this, and so you can't get mad at us. <laughs> um, to, to the NSA monitoring our fucking podcast. But, I'm sorry, but it is. It is. I am nervous, and I don't like being nervous because I can usually trust the show to not make me nervous when it comes to a new episode. I'm not so sure about that anymore. So I don't really know if I want to rate this episode because I would really just like to pretend that this episode did not happen. No Cinderella Sun Chad, negative two stars. Yeah, the musical episode was better than this. I am so I'm actually, angry. I'm actually pretty glad I watched the musical and I never thought I'd said this because if I went into that grim, dark fucking thing dry, I would have come out a, a bad person. Yeah, it, it wasn't The Super it. Friends song did cause global warming though. Well, I mean, I, the globe is warming and that song does exist. So maybe you do the math. Yeah. You draw, draw your own conclusions, listeners. So uh, we're seeing BTS tomorrow. So I guess everything is relative because that's awesome. Yeah. We're very, we're very excited. So I think, I think we're going to cut it here. Hopefully we'll have more to talk about next episode that won't just be everything is bad and the show is on fire. I hope you at least got at least half a laugh. Just 
pretend like it didn't happen because I don't trust the show to handle it well, or just, just, just don't make, I'm so worried Mick is going to give up Len to, to over the team and he's going to pick them instead. And I don't, I'm not looking forward to that choice. I think it might be a big part of the finale and I'm not ready for that. Okay. And on that really, really dark note, uh, we're going to end the podcast. Do, 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 do. Hi everybody. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Have a good night guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>